Okay, if there are young ones in the room today, we're speaking about some PG-13 stuff. So I'm, gonna not, I'm not going to be grotesque. I'm not going to be horror movie-ish. We're talking about some things that are, that are there, though, in that realm. We're talking about spiritual warfare today. Angels and demons and things like this. I'll begin with this, this statement. There's a book called The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, where C.S. Lewis once said, there are two equal and opposite errors our race falls into concerning devils. One is to disbelieve in them, and the other is to take an unhealthy interest in them. There are two equal and opposite errors our race falls into concerning devils. The first is to not believe in them. The second is to have an unhealthy interest in them. We'll deal with both of these realities today. We are in Acts chapter 13. The book takes a chance. We've been in Acts now for like a year solid. A lot of the book until now has been the adventures of Peter, like Peter telling people about Jesus being the pastor of Jerusalem. Well, now the, the, the story shifts from Jerusalem to now this guy named Paul. And Paul's going to be planting churches all over Asia Minor. And this is really Paul and Barnabas's first major missionary endeavor. They have left the church of Antioch. They have letters of recommendation. They are financially, financially taken care of by Antioch, and they are walking around preaching Jesus. This is what happens. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit... They went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false teacher, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Now, I got a map. I don't know if we got it in or not, but um, it's so... They leave Antioch and head south and then go into the ocean, go in the Mediterranean Ocean, Mediterranean Sea, and they go to Barnabas' hometown, the island of Cyprus. And um, they basically start, if you look at America, they start in New York and they're heading to L.A., do you understand? They start in the north, what is that, east? The northeast, they're heading down to the southwest across the entire island. Barnabas is going to go to every major town in his home island, this Greek isle, is going to spread Jesus. And the story does not tell us what happens in most of these villages. You have Paul, you have Barnabas, you have this guy named John Mark, and they're walking through this island telling everyone about Christ. And these people are not, uh, he's, he's telling them all about Jesus. And there's no real events of renown until they get to the capital called Paphos, Paphos. All the way to L.A., essentially, they get to the capital city of Paphos, and there they meet resistance. When they get there, there's a guy there, and his name is Bar-Jesus. That name sounds pretty crazy, but it's not a crazy name, okay? It's a Greek name that means simply the son of Yeshua is all it means. Um, Bar means the son of. It's like Barnabas is the son of Nabus, right? Bar Jesus, Jesus is the English name of Yeshua, the Hebrew Yeshua. So 
all this Barjus guy's name is, his name is the son of Yeshua. So in this village, he's the son of that guy. That's all his name means. But he gives himself a new name. He calls himself Elemis, which in Greek means the great one or the wise one. And this guy's a magician. The Bible calls him a, or a magician, a wizard, or a sorcerer. And this guy's going to stand against Paul and Barnabas and John Mark. The first thing I want to say to us right now is simply this. There is spiritual evil in the world. The first error is not to believe in the devils. But in the book of Acts, it's, the book of Acts is a story of spiritual warfare. On one hand, you have the Holy Spirit imbuing God's people to do God's work, and then they run into all the time some kind of, running into something pushing against them. This guy, Bar-Jesus, also known as Elemis, this guy is a seeker of power. He's a witch doctor, if you will. I don't know if he's a psychic or if he's a stinking future, or tells a future. I don't know what he does, but this guy is apparently so good at his work. He's so good at calling upon these powers that the governor has made him his number one dude. He's, he's the governor's advisor, the governor's right hand. And it says about the governor, Sergio Paulus, he's an intelligent man, not easily fooled. So this Elemis guy can apparently do things that are so impressive it makes Sergio Paulus a believer. Now, there's spiritual evil in the world. I want to tell you a story. When I was living in India, I'd go to villages in the middle of nowhere. The middle of nowhere. No, no power, no plumbing, middle of nowhere. I'm going to villages where they've never seen a white person. My wife would go there. The kids would touch her skin. It freaked them out. We are, uh, we are off the grid in the middle of India, okay? And I'd be there, and people would come to me, and they'd say, you know, Pastor, because they're mostly Hindu in India. And even though I wasn't a Hindu, I'm considered high caste. I'm from wealthy America, so I'm a king among men. And they, would, they thought of me as a holy man. So the Hindus would come to me, and they'd bring their sick to me to pray over them. It was crazy. And often, one, the first time it happened, it was crazy. They came to me, and they said, Pastor, they're bringing a woman, and she has a demon. And I was like, come again? Like, I've been in a lot of ministry in my life. No one's ever led with that statement in my whole life. And so I'm like, okay. And they bring forth this lady. And this was the crazy thing happened is this. The woman came forward, and... She, I could tell very, very quickly, she was developmentally disabled, autistic, if you will. And I'm like, oh, wow. They, the people here are calling this a demonic reality, but this is a, a very psychological, developmental thing that they probably don't even know this exists in the world. They don't understand the brain or how the body develops. And so I went to village to village once in a while, they'd come to me and say, we have, a woman, we have someone with a demon. They'd bring someone, and it's someone who maybe was born uh, with no hand or born developmentally disabled, and they called that demon possession. And a thought came to my mind, a doubt, if you will. I wondered to myself, well, man, maybe back in Jesus' day, maybe the people there didn't know psychology, they thought everything they don't understand, they just called it demon possession. 
And so I doubted for a moment the veracity, the trustworthiness of the biblical story. I wondered if every time it said, do you possession the Bible, what if it was just autism? And I had a doubt in my American Western heart. As I was working through this crisis of faith in my own life, we did this big preaching event in a village. For three days, we preached in the open air, and after every, every preaching event, people would come forward for prayer. And that night, someone came forward and said, Ernesto, this woman has a, a demon. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. What's it going to be today? Is it mute, deaf, blind? They brought forth this woman. And it was very different than anything I'd seen to that point. It wasn't autism. It wasn't a handicap. It wasn't developmental disability. They brought a woman who was very small, and she was stronger than any woman should be that size. They brought a woman who knew things no one should know about my life in that nation. And I realized for the first time, I'm standing in front of something that's not of this world. There's something in this woman. There's a power in her. And it's not her. There's something else inside of her, and it is strong, it is mighty, and it is horrifying. And for the first time in my journey of faith, I faced a possessed person. And then I realized, even though the people I was ministering to may not have understood psychology, there are things out there that cannot be explained through Western medicine or psychology. I realize there is spiritual evil in the world. There are things in this world, if you believe in God, if you believe in God, I preached on angels three weeks ago. When I preached on angels, I got so many emails, people telling me, man, pastor, you won't believe when I was a kid, something happened to me, and I always thought it was God saving my life. God sent an angel to protect me. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. If we believe in God and we believe in angels, there's an other side of that coin. There is an enemy, and he has servants, and they are active in the world we live in. We live as though there's no spiritual reality in this world, but there is. There is a spiritual evil in this world. There is an enemy, and he has servants, and they do things in this world. The first error is to disbelieve them. So if we don't believe in them, we're easy pickings. Paul and Barnabas and John Mark face Elemis, the magician. And listen to what Elemis does. Verse 7, he was with the proconsul Sergio Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elemis the magician opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. So this thing, this person imbued with power, is standing between Sergio Paulus and the God of heaven. This is like a tug of war between heaven and hell for one man's soul. 
This guy wonders, is there a God? Is there a Christ? Is it real? Paul, Barnabas, John, come tell me the message you have. And as they come to tell him, this Elemis, this magician, is actively poisoning this, his mind so he will not hear or believe in the Christ. In the Lord of the Rings, this character is called Wormtongue. It's a great idea. This is, this is a person who's poisoning the mind of the person they have in their hand. There is spiritual evil in the world. There is spiritual evil in the world. And the spiritual forces of evil in this world, they long, they desire to keep people away from Jesus. The evil powers of this world, the devil and his devils, seek to keep people away from Jesus. They don't want to see people set free in Christ. We see in the whole Bible story, Adam and Eve, the serpent comes, and the serpent's desire is to separate God and his creation. The serpent doesn't need worship. All the serpent cares about is taking worship from the true God. The serpent doesn't need to be the center. As long as God isn't, isn't worshipped, it's a win for him. He doesn't care if you worship sex or money or music as long as you don't worship the one true God. The serpent doesn't need to be your king. All he wants is for Christ to not be your king. This is the mission of, look, at, like, I'm, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. What's awesome is I've been reading 2 Corinthians in my daily devotions. Um, what I do right now is I, when I walk my dog, I uh, listen to the Bible app on my, my headphones, you know. Um, you, the, Bible, the Bible app will read to you. So I have it read. And I was walking my dog on Friday. I was in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I heard this verse read, and I was like, wow! This is what it said. The God of this world, so 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this world, the evil of this world, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. This is the mission. This is what the enemy wants to do. To keep humanity separated from God. The Bible says the devil has come to, what, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. This is, this, is the, this, is the serpent's, this is the serpent's mission. My kids and I were watching this cartoon called Star Wars The Clone Wars. It's a cartoon. It's Star Wars. We're nerds in my house. But if you watch this cartoon together, you'd see the dark side of the force would always do stuff, Right? And every adventure, when someone would help the dark side, the dark side would betray and kill whoever helped them. So finally, one day, my daughter was like, Dad, even when, even when people are friends with the dark side, the dark side always turns and kills and betrays them. I'm like, that's right, Lena. If you, ser if you, if you serve evil, it's not going to give you a bonus. The evil's not going to go, you're on my team, high five. If you join evil's team, it's not on your team. It's still going to eat you. That was a very good opportunity to teach my kids that evil is it's never, ever going to help you. It's only going to take and take and take. Another time, years later, just in the last four years, I went back to India, and we went to a mountain. We climbed this mountain, 
where the people that have never, ever heard the name of Jesus Christ. They're not even Hindus. They're like this pre- or this proto-Hindu religion. We climbed this mountain, and our goal was to start dialogue about the things of God with these people. We stayed in this, like there was this hut no one used, and the village let us use it. It was, And so we're there, but that village had a witch doctor. It had someone who was the spiritual leader of the village. And he was not happy that we were there. So one night I'm sleeping, and all of a sudden I wake up, and I, you can't make this stuff up. There's a goat pushing into our, our door had this little like piece of wood planked over it, and there's this animal pushing into the door. And I wake up, and I'm like, oh man, there's like 15 of us laying just side by side, Jenga style, in this room. And I wake up, and I see, so I get up, and I come over, and I start holding the door. I'm like, what's? I look outside, and there's this goat out there, just trying to get in. And it's loud. It's the middle of the night. A little scary. I, I, I'm, just, it was, I, I'm, I'm not a farmer. I'm not, I don't know animals well. So I'm scared on many levels. It's dark. I'm in India, and there's an animal trying to get in. The animal wouldn't give up. People came up, they helped us hold the door. We survived the night. We go out there in the night, and the goat's still in our yard waiting for us. Like, what is, what is that with this animal? So we go outside when the sun comes out, and we notice this animal has carved into its flank symbols. Um, the animal the, looks like somebody carved curses into the flesh of this animal and sent it as a curse against our team. The witch doctor was hoping this animal would come to our team with these curses inscribed on its skin, and if they did this, they hoped that the demonic powers that they served would chase us away, would, would, would banish us from the village. And we knew we were in deep spiritual warfare. That we knew there was powers allied against us to stop us from preaching Christ in this village. I mentioned a book at the beginning of our service called The Screwtape Letters. That book's about, it's a fictional book. In the book, C.S. Lewis writes about these two demons having a conversation. Uncle Scrooge Tape and the other, what's the other, lang, other demon's name? Wormwood. Oh, Wormwood. And they, they write letters back and forth. And you see how the demons work in keeping humans away from God. The book is horrifying to read. Like, reading it, I'm like, I have been tricked this way. I'm reading the book, and I'm like, he got me that one time in fifth grade. Like, you just, you read the book, and it's like, you feel, it's like the devil's play-by-play on how to keep people away from Jesus. That's what devils want to do. They want to keep people separated from God. And listen, even if you love Jesus, the devil still wants to keep you separate from the Christ you claim to love. Even if you are a Christian, the devil longs to, he wants you to hide the light you've been given. He wants you to be unsalty salt. You can be a worthless follower, and that's the devil's goal, is to keep your light as dim and as useless as possible. The devil desires to keep people away from Jesus. But here's the last truth we see in the story in Acts 13. So this Sergio Paulus desires to know Jesus, but Elymas' magician is stopping them. So verse 9. But Saul, who is also called Paul. So so Paul is now the guy. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. God's on his team. 
He looks intently at Elymas and says, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. And immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him. And he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. This guy couldn't have power. And Paul says, you have no power, man. The God I serve will smoke you and anyone you like. And Paul goes, you know, I don't know much about God, but I know he can blind people because he blinded me that one time. So boom on you. And his eyes, the mist falls, and this guy cannot see. Like, so he's claiming to be this powerful man, and now he's like, someone help me, I can't see. And his weakness is revealed. And what happens? Then Sergio Paulus, the proconsul, believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. In this tug of war between light and dark, light wins. Because here's the truth of the matter. Jesus is greater than the evils in this world. Jesus is greater than the darkness that lives here. A lot of us think, the old Looney Tunes cartoon, right? With the angel on one shoulder, the devil on the other. You ever see that cartoon? It's a classic construction in Western art. A lot of us think, or maybe think of the Eastern yin and yang. You ever see yin and yang, the surfer symbol, with the circle with the white and black? A lot of people think that good and evil are perfectly balanced. Who's going to win the fight, right? It's Rocky versus Apollo Creed. It's round 15. Who's going to win? That's not the story the Bible tells about good and evil. It's not God and the devil in this, this grudge match and who's going to win. The Bible talks about a victory that is won. It's won soundly. Uh, I'm quoting Lord of the Rings twice in one sermon. Oh, man. The Lord of the Rings is a very famous movie that came out. People loved it. It won a lot of awards, made a lot of money. And there's a scene between two magical characters in the, in the book. And in the movie, the scene is all like fireworks, like, you know, magic, oh, magic to you. And they all, it's all like music and special effects. But I always loved the book better because in the book, the more powerful guy just says, you're defeated, and he's defeated. I always loved that, that dramatic, the power is like, with a word, you are undone. And that is the reality of God and the devil. The devil has been defeated. There's a story I've told a few times in my life, and I'll tell it again this day. I heard this story from a pastor buddy of mine. He said he was driving with his two young children in the back seat, and they're driving on the highway going who knows where. I forgot where he said he was going. But they're driving, and all of a sudden, the kids start being agitated in the back. They start like, yelling, oh, my, dad, 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 what's going on? Turns out there's a bee, a bumblebee in the car, which is a, it's a horrifying thing to have happen. Like, a bee in a field is bad enough, right? You see someone walking, whoa, whoa, they start doing the dance. Like, oh, that guy, there's, there's a bee. Um, but he's, you're in a car, a confined space, nowhere to run. Bee in the car. And it's buzzing around all loud. Oh, kids, oh, dad, dad. And the, the dad's like, oh, man. And he hears the bee buzzing. Everyone's scared on a highway. What are you going to do? The dad knows what he's got to do. The dad waits for the bee to come to the front seat. He's, he's waiting, waiting, waiting. And the kids are freaking out. And he just goes, 
fruit and grabs the bee with his hand, just scoops it up. And the kids are like, just quiet. Whoa, dad's the man, you know. Bee in the hand. And everyone's quiet. And the dad waits for it, right? And he feels that bee sting him. Boop. And it, it's got, it, it's, it hurts. I've, I've been stung in 20 years. I don't want it to happen tomorrow. Being said, why being hurts? He feels the stinger going, ah. He lets it go. Kids, dad, what are you doing? They're crying, screaming again. He's like, kids, kids, it's okay. Because a bump of the bee has one sting to give, right? He's like, look, look at my hand, kids. The stinger's in me. I took the hit it had to give. Now, it buzzes around the car. It sounds scary. It looks scary. But it has no more ability to hurt you at all. It's all sound and fury and no strength. And that's the devil in the world today. The Christ has took the hit the devil had to give. The Christ was wounded for our transgressions. The, the devil literally took all his anger and strength, betrayed the Christ, got Christ crucified, thought he had checkmate, still lost. And if you're in Christ, the devil can sound scary. He can buzz around. Whoa! I'm scared. If you're in Christ, you have all authority, and you need not be afraid. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Jesus is greater than any evil we will face. Now, let me apply this to our lives very quickly, and then we'll call it a day. I'm just going to say to you, because of the truth I've taught this day, because there's evil in the world, my first application is this. Don't flirt with evil. Okay, listen, 99 out of 100 times, that stuff is fake lameness. Most psychics, fake lameness. Astrology, fake lameness. Ouija board, usually fake lameness. Milton Bradley makes Ouija board at Target, yo. It's plastic, most of the time, fake lameness. But here's the deal. Don't go knocking on those doors. Because there is stuff out there and you don't want to find it. You don't want to go to the wrong door, knock, and something's like, hello? You don't want to find that thing. Even before I was a Christian, I got saved when I was 14, when I was eight years old, some neighbors on the street, right on Wyoming, right here in Flint, Michigan, some neighbors on Wyoming were playing with a Ouija board. I was at a friend's house, the Cook's. We were literally in the kitchen, and we were... <laughs> We were rolling the, the hamster down the stairs in its ball because we were young and we're awful. I'm sorry. I'm just, this is, I'm just telling you what was happening. It's us five boys. We're all terrible. May the Lord forgive us. But we hear someone break in the front door, just crying, yelling drama. So we all like, what's going on? The cook's neighbors are coming over and asking the cook family to watch their baby for the night. And they're just crying. They're like, and the, the, the mom and dad were like, sure, watch the kid. What's the matter? And the couple, well, the friends all say, well, we were playing with the Ouija board over at our house, and we're talking, something started talking to us, and we asked it what it wanted, and it spelled out our kid's name. And then the parents, were like, the parents were like, get out of our house. We don't want anything to do with this, and made them leave. Well, that's weird. So we went home. Next day, I'm walking to school. I'm walking to the bus stop over on Leith and Franklin. I remember walking down the street. I get out of my house. I look, and I see the ambulance at the end of the road. 
I walk down to the street. There's cops, ambulance. And sure enough, that very night, the child died of SIDS. And I didn't know much about the world. I wasn't a Christian, but I'm like, note to self, never touch that crap. Don't play with Ouija boards. Don't play with evil because you don't want to meet something. So I just tell you all, if you're at a party and someone busts a Ouija board out, like, let's be stupid. You leave the party. You be the unpopular lame kid and get the crap out of there. Don't flirt with that stuff. You don't want to meet anything on the other side of that, okay? We don't go to psychics. We don't do astrology. We don't read palms. Most of it is crap. But once in a while, someone can find something real. You don't want to be anywhere near it. Fair? Two. Sometimes in this life, the spiritual world will walk into ours. How do you face it? How do you fight it? When Paul has to face Elemis magician, how did he face this thing and beat it? The main thing on facing spiritual evil is this. You want to be full of the Holy Spirit. You want... You don't want to go in there with just your big old fists. You want to go in there full of God's strength and power. It says in this, and Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, was intently at the demon and spoke to it. I would say to you as you walk through this world, always stay near to Christ, that you may be spiritually full, so if darkness ever comes to face you, you're ready to face it. We had in our home one night, We had, we had a guest at our home for another, for another country. And that morning he was all, he wouldn't talk. And I asked him what was going on. He told me last night here in the home there was something in the room. And it, it came and sat on the end of the bed. And it, I couldn't move. And we talked more about it. I asked him about it. I realized something spiritual was happening to him. And so my wife and I, we prayed over his room. We walked our home, prayed through the house. We walked outside our house and prayed. And the whole time he stayed with us, we prayed over our home. And never again did that entity come in and bother that young man. But we needed God's help. To, we, we, I can't fight the thing by myself. I'd be like, oh, I'm Ernesto and I'm tough. Get out of my house. That happens once in the Bible. And the, the, the demon goes, I know Paul, you know. I know Paul and I know Peter. Who are you? And it beats him up. And I don't want that to happen to me. That's my nightmare. <laughs> then grabs me. I'm like, oh, like, you got to be full of the Holy Spirit. You got to be all, you got to be prayed up, ready to meet this stuff. And the last thing I'll say to us is this don't face this stuff alone either. Paul is not alone. It's Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark. If you ever have something happening, maybe you think, man, I feel there's something in our house, some kind of presence. Seek spiritual help. Have friends come over and pray with you to get that thing out of there. We, listen, if I ever have to face that stuff, I don't face it alone. I'm, I'm, I'm with someone else who loves Christ, and we together are seeking Christ's power to knock that thing out of our world. If you want to call, I'm here too. My wife and I, we have, we have elders here that will come and we will pray with you, for you, and against any evil desires to sit upon your life. So there's some very basics, just, just what to do in light of spiritual warfare. Don't go seeking this stuff out. 
Don't go looking for it. You don't want to find it. Halloween is here in our home. We don't put up demonic decorations in our house. There's no devils in the corner. Because I'm not flirting with that. I'm just not flirting with it. My kids always wear, you know, they're always cucumbers or, you know, like, I'm an armadillo. Like, they're always silly, goofy, cute things. No, like, like when I was a kid, I was always like, you know, brave. I was always the evil monster when I was a kid. But we just don't, we don't flirt with it in our house because I don't want to get anywhere near the truth of that stuff. So, we love Jesus. We believe in Jesus. We believe in God. We believe God has angels to protect his people. We also understand there's an enemy and there's enemy has servants. So I hope this talk gives you real wisdom on how to engage this other world. Okay? It's real, but don't go chase after it. With that said, let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the great joys we've got to share in just dedicating these babies. Thank you for the families we've got to share in this great joy. Thank you for the Morales brothers and the victory they had at homecoming. Thank you for all the work you're doing all over the place in our, in our, in our church family. And Lord, we want to pray. We know some people in our, in our church family are going through hard times, are carrying great burdens. Lord, comfort them as they, as they walk under the burden. So we love you. We praise your name. In Christ's name, we ask all these things. Amen. God bless you.